You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Today we are going to talk about a, um, a very familiar psalm in the Bible, and this is something that as we went through this week, and uh, man, I tell you what, um, I don't think any of us were did not deal with some level of anxiety this week uh, in some capacity um, of concern or, or worry as the, the natural storms of our area started to come. But I think one thing that this allows us to do and is to step back and to reflect and ask the Lord to be our peace to show his overwhelming love and care for our life. And so what I want to do today is I just want us to take a close look and a, and a reminder that, that has times of reflection and response built into this message for us to really know and let the Holy Spirit speak to us about the magnitude of the love and the care that God has for us. And so we're going to look at Psalm 23. I'm sure there's, there's a few of us here today that could, could quote this off the top of their head, but today what I want to do is I want us to go through this line by line, and I want to show you something about how much God cares in, for us and, and, and what a reflection of His love this type of care that He gives is. So let's read this, Psalm 23 together. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A lot of times we, we hear this quoted at funeral services that we maybe have been to, and, and, and it's, a, it's a prayer often that we see and read during those times, but th- there's so much more to this psalm as we, as we really choose to, to look at it and see it through the lens of God's compassion for us. Give a little bit of context on this. This was written by, by David, the king of Israel, before he had taken the position, the, the rightful position of king of Israel. And he was at a time fleeing for his life uh, from Saul. And this was a time where, where it, when we look back in the scripture and we see the Psalms and, and the writings of David during this time, you hear this, this back and forth, this this, this pressure on his life, this duality on his life where he writes, and sometimes he sees the overwhelming care of God, but sometimes it's as if he writes as a broken man, as a man who's all alone. And I honestly, I, I love this about the scripture because to me, I think this is honest and it's authentic and it's real. And it also gives us a place where we can trust We can trust this. We can trust the scripture because David was not a perfect man. He wasn't, not only was he not perfect in his lifestyle and his decisions and his actions, but he also wavered at times in his heart. He fought these battles that oftentimes we fight when we feel the pressures of life overwhelming us. 
And so here we get a snapshot, a glimpse of David's thought pattern during a very, very difficult time in his life. And what we pull away from it is this, is the powerful words and reminder of the compassion in the care of God. And if we stop and we really look at it and listen to it and let the Holy Spirit speak to us, it will begin to reassure our soul and strengthen us. So let's do that today. The first thing that we see here, and we're just going to go through this a little bit at a time. I'm going to start with the very first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. David here starts off with a very powerful, powerful truth. No word is missed here in the scripture. He begins to talk about the depth of the love of God. But he puts it in a personal context because most of the, 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 the writing in this scripture is written in the Almost, if you can see this and visualize this, it would be uh, from a sheep to a shepherd. David puts himself in the position of a sheep and refers to God as the good shepherd. One thing that we need to see here right off the bat and that reassures our soul is this. As David refers to God as Lord, he is acknowledging Him both as Creator and all-powerful and almighty, but yet he brings Him down to a personal level. And isn't that amazing? And sometimes we lose sight of that the God who created everything that we see, all of the universe as we know it, and even that which we don't know, He knows us personally and he loves us personally. Isn't that a powerful truth? Here David writes this and he says this. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The God of creation is my shepherd. He is the one who cares for me. Now David being a shepherd himself and understanding this, he knew, and as most of us know, we've, we've probably heard messages on this before. We've heard people talk, pastors talking about sheep, but sheep really are dumb. Sheep can't do anything for themselves. They don't do anything well. And so David writing this puts him immediately in this understanding that the creator of the universe is the one who will care for him, and he, he punctuates it with this, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Now, these are words that sometimes slip past us, but I want to, again, thrust you in the middle of the context of the writing of Psalm 23 because David is running for his life, being chased by a man who is bipolar at best. He goes from one moment of, David, I love you, please be close to me, you're like a son to me, and, and then throws spears at him and hunts him down like a wild animal. So when David writes this, the Lord is my shepherd, he's not saying this in a position of just hope alone. He's saying this in the certainty of knowing that the creator of the universe, who is also the one who knows me personally and cares for me, causes me to lack nothing. To lack nothing. Even when I'm being chased and harassed by my enemy who's trying to kill me. 
even when the storm waters rise up. Even when anxiety buffets against me. Even when I feel like everything is against me or my world is crumbling in. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. His care is complete. And David starts off with this because you can't keep going down Psalm 23 without this being the cornerstone truth of this scripture, of this chapter. And some of you are like, okay, we get it, we get it. But listen, you have to let this soak in. And this has to be a, Holy, uh, a revelation that the Holy Spirit is continually revealing to you. That God loves you earnestly. That even though he holds the universe in his hands, he knows every hair on your head. He loves you intimately. And his care for you is complete. I want to read to you Psalm 139, 13 through 18. Another Psalm of David. It just kind of reiterates this and magnifies his thought. He says, for you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place and when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Listen to that. Listen to what David writes, the meticulousness, the, 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 the depth of the love of God. God, how precious to me are your thoughts. How vast the sum of them. When I, were I to count them, I couldn't. Because there's more thoughts that you think about me than there are grains of sand. Wow. Think about that. Think about that. I want us to take a second and I want us to reflect and respond about this. And we're going to take a short pause as we do this. And I want you just to begin to look inward and ask the Holy Spirit. Because it's okay to hear a message about this. But it's important for us to take time to respond to it. And here's the first question I want to ask you is, have you given the Lord control of the care in your life? That's not the same question is, is the Lord in control of your life? Is he the Lord of your life? The question that I'm asking you here is this. Does he have control of the care of your life? Because some of you might say that he's the Lord of my life, but I'm still the one who is navigating the care of my life? Have you trusted him for the care in your life? Do you trust him in every area of your heart and your soul? Let's take a moment to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. And if there is something that is lacking in this area, let's allow him to take control to show us his love and his care.
The next part of this Psalm 23 that we see is this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. One of the best ways that God shows us his love and his care for us is by bringing us into rest. Bringing us into rest. And and the, and the truth about rest is that it's not natural or easy for us, is it? It's hard to rest. I tell you what, one of the the most interesting things that happened in this uh, storm, and, and and we re- and we reflected back to to Harvey, to Kim and I. Uh, in Harvey, we we our house got damaged, and just this last week, our thankfully our house did not get damaged. And the kids got two days off of school. Some of you parents are like, oh. You know, but we realized that our kids needed some time off and that we needed to be close as a family. And what we did is we spent that time slowly starting to kind of reconnect because everything got shut down. Everything stopped. And so we made gumbo and we played cards and we watched TV together. My son broke out the washer boards in my living room. They were throwing washers in my living room. And as Kim and I were talking one night, we we're like, you know, this is really something we didn't expect, but God was good to us in this situation, that he, he caused us to rest. And we started thinking about Harvey. And as, as just anxious and nuts as that was, we saw the goodness of God. Because our life got really small. And we got to experience the care and the compassion of family. We got to live in my brother-in-law's little uh, apartment, uh, garage apartment. And when we talk about that, we look back at it as some of the best months that we've had in a very long time. Why? Because it caused us to rest. It caused us to rest. And a lot of times, as human beings, we struggle in this place of rest. And so David here is writing very specifically from the heart of a shepherd, but he himself writing as a sheep. He writes about this important principle that shows the great compassion and love of God as he causes us to rest. He understood this because sheep, they don't know where to go. They don't know to go into the places of green pastures. They don't know where to stop, and they don't know when to leave. Sheep will actually eat down to the root systems in grass because they don't know when to stop eating, when to leave. They don't know when they've gotten past the nutrient-rich grass into the, into the nastiness of the soil, and they keep going, and they'll leave a land barren. So it was the job of the shepherd, as he noticed that, to to take the flock and lead them into another green pasture. And we're very similar to that, aren't we? Because when we get overwhelmed, what we do is we either don't stop or we hunker down and we stay in a place until it becomes barren because we're afraid to move. 
The other thing about sheep that's a little interesting is this, and this is why David writes this, that he leads me beside quiet waters, is because sheep, they, they freak out when they're, they're, they're by moving water. In the same way in our life, isn't it true that we, we do the same thing? That sometimes, sometimes in, in our anxiety and even in our good intentions, that we run to the things that we think can help, but we don't realize that in reality they bring us more anxiety. Because here is the truth that David is echoing here. And again, one of the greatest ways that God shows his love and compassion is that we don't know how to care for ourselves. And so we have to learn to trust the rest of the Lord. The rest of the Lord. So how do we do that? I think David gives us a little batting order, if, if I could, and something for maybe us to contemplate. A little bit of an action plan is this. Is the first thing that we have to do is we have to stop the motion of life. When things are overwhelming in our life, we have to stop the motion of life. Parents, when your, your family feels like it's starting to go off the rails, you have to stop the motion of life. I'll be real honest with you right now. Kim and I have that conversation almost every other day with our children. Maybe it's because school started back up and dance started back up and band started back up and this has started back up and that started back up. And we stop and we say, listen, is, is this too much? Is the motion of life too much? And sometimes we think that we can't stop the motion of life because we're going to hurt something. But in reality, again, what this scripture, if we choose to listen to the Holy Spirit, tells us is this, is that we all need to stop sometimes. And so we need the Holy Spirit's help to stop the motion of life. We need His wisdom. We need His grace. We need His understanding to know which, which things to do and what things to stop. Husbands and wives, parents, you need the wisdom of God to know what things you can take on and what things you simply can't handle. Because if you think it was, it's difficult in your life to maybe do that, think about David. Think about somebody who's constantly having to run, to flee for his, his very life, to, to get into this reality to say, in order for me to, to feel the rest of God, I've got to find a place to stop. I have to stop running. The next thing that he talks about is this, is that we have to stop the motion of our thoughts. We have to stop the motion of our, of our thoughts. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And sometimes stopping the motion of our thoughts is harder than stopping the motion of our life. But I want to give you a couple of, of, of things to, to think about here especially if you feel like the, the, the kind of the storms of life are hitting you, is this. It's the first thing that you need to do in order to stop the, the motion of your thoughts is to be able to put them under two different categories. Is this something that the Lord is saying or is this something that the Lord isn't saying? If you can start there, then you've got half the battle won. Because if it's something the Lord is saying, then you listen to it. If it's something that the Lord's not saying, then you have to look 
and say, is this something that is bringing life or is this something that is bringing anxiety or tearing me down? Is this maybe a thought that I need to consider and I need to think of, I need to bring before the Lord? Or is this a thought I should not be thinking about that is tearing me down, that is causing me to be anxious, that is causing me to lose sleep, to feel condemnation? Because if it is one of those things that is bringing anxiety or you're losing sleep, is that you need to X out of it. You need to dismiss it. You need to put it under the authority of the cross. You need to speak and call it what it is. That is not a thought I need to be thinking on. Because a lot of times, at least in my life, what I've experienced is this. As I spend the bulk of my time thinking about the wrong things. And there are times that I can be perfectly still in my flesh, but my mind is moving a thousand miles an hour. And David here writes this and he says this, listen, it's not just about coming to the green pastures. It's not just about slowing down and stopping in the quiet waters. But I also, I need to let the Holy Spirit, I need to let the presence of God still my thoughts. The next thing he says is this, is that he allows the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Why is this important? Because obviously the next thing that we see is that he resets our plans. He guides us along the right paths. But in order to get back onto the right plans of God, we need to have the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. So think about this. Stop the motion in your life. Stop the motion in your thought life. Receive the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you receive the refreshing of the Holy Spirit? You make time in the presence of God. Friends, it will be amazing that if every day, even at the beginning of the day or the start of your day, and at the close of your day, you just gave five minutes to the Lord, whether that's listening to a worship song or reading the word. Or if it's possible to have an encouraging conversation with your spouse. To do something that edifies your spirit. To edifies your soul. To think on the future plans, to think about the peace of God, to anchor yourself again in the promises of God, to anchor yourself in the truth of the love of God, the care of God, to spend time. If we would just give five minutes in this place, because the reality is this, is that the refreshing of the Holy Spirit does not come accidentally. We have to be intentional about it. We have to make time for it. But I promise you, just, just a little bit of time goes a long, long way. And the promise is what David writes here is that he guides us along the right paths. Here's what David is saying in a nutshell. I had to stop. I had to stop the motion because I was, I was probably freaking out, going berserk. I had to stop. And then I had to stop my thoughts. And I had to receive again the plans of God, the love of God, the care of God, the compassion of God, so that I could get back on the right path. And I promise you that that goes a long way. So just a couple of questions to reflect and respond on. Has the pace of your life outpaced you? Has the pace of your life outpaced you? What time... Are you giving to find the rest that the Lord gives? And our prayer should be this. Holy Spirit, 
Help me to take time to rest and to know that you are the one that refreshes me. Next part of Psalm 23 goes like this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And here David writes the inevitable truth that's a little alarming to all of us, but hard times are inevitable. They come to us all. They come to us all. God does not promise to take hard times from you. Rather, he promises to be with you in the middle of the hard times. Sometimes we don't like that. We don't like that theology. We definitely would, um, and I'm, I'm with, and I'm in this category. God, I would much rather you just take the hard times from me. I'd much rather not have to go through all this stuff. But the reality is, is this, is that we do. We do go through these. There will be a day, just for those of you that need to, need to understand this, that there will be a day when all that's wiped away. There'll be a day, not just in heaven, but there will be a day that that Jesus comes and literally sets up his kingdom on this earth. That all the things that went upside down will stop going upside down. But that day is not here. That day will come, but that day is not here. But God gives us something as precious or even more precious if we choose to see it. And it's this, it's the promise that he is always with us no matter what we walk through. And here David writes some of the most powerful language in Psalm 23 and some of the hardest to understand. I struggle with this, if I could just be honest with you. Even though I walk through the, some of us, our translations say the valley of death, but the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So how does God do this in our life? How does we see the care of God during the hardest times of our life? How do we see that? See, there's three things that we fear about fear. There's three things that we fear about fear. First, there is a terror in fear. The things that are unknown that we think are going to beset us. That's why there's like those cheesy little sayings, fear is false evidence appearing real, right? Like, because what happens, even though that's cheesy, it's, it's really true. What happens when you get fearful is that you begin thinking about ridiculous things. You start conspiring in your mind about boogeymen. You think the bottom is going to fall out? You don't see your life past a certain moment because that is the way that fear works. Because one of the weapons of fear is terror. And that is why David writes, I will fear no evil. It would have been different if David would have wrote, I won't fear. But what he wrote is, I will fear no evil because he understood that one of the tactics of fear is terror. And what he says here is that the terror of fear is not going to present itself and overwhelm me. How does God do that? How does he beat back the terror of fear? In Philippians 4, 7, we see a little key here. And this is what Paul writes. And if you step back a few verses off of Philippians 4, 7, what you see is this, is that you see 
Paul writing about anxiety and casting your care upon the Lord. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And this is this word understanding is the word of our understanding, our mental ascent, our ability to comprehend. And what God is saying here is that the way terror works is this. It's through the framework of our mind. I love Sherlock Holmes. Any Sherlock Holmes fans here? Okay, thank you. Just three of us. All right, awesome. Small group next time. Sherlock Holmes, small group. Let's do it. <laughs> we have to wear those hats, so. Drink tea. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so one thing Sherlock Holmes always says, he says, look, man, you got to, if, if there is nothing evidential about it, then you have to rule out the improbable. Like you cannot, you cannot create a boogeyman out of things that do not have evidence. And so when you read the stories of Sherlock Holmes, what you see inevitably are the characters in the storylines that they think that there is some ghastly, ghostly being that is causing murder and havoc. And in reality, it's always just somebody. And Sherlock Holmes, as that noble character, he rises up and he is not moved by terror and he stays strict to the evidence. And in the reality, this is how the Holy Spirit works in our life. And what we read here in Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God transcends our understanding. Ah, whoop. And guards our heart and our mind in Jesus Christ. So we put on the truth of Jesus. And as we let the Holy Spirit cloak us, that peace becomes our reality that we see through. Wait a second. There's not going to be anything that steals my joy. There's not going to be anything that if I stay anchored to Jesus Christ is going to steal my peace. There's not going to be anything that if I stay anchored to Jesus Christ is going to steal the promises that he's given me. All right. So this is what David writes about first. The next thing that we see as a tactic of how fear works is being alone. The other way that fear works is this, is that we're alone. If you've ever truly been terrified or a place of anxiety in your life, you understand that what happens is that you withdraw and it's not just the terror of the unknown that hits you, but it's also this understanding that you're the only one that is going through this particular situation. And that you are alone. And here David writes this and he says this, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. For you're with me. You're with me. You don't leave. You don't leave me. He never leaves us during the storms of life. I love, again, what Paul writes here in Romans 8, 38. We, we talked about it last week, but it's a good reminder. He says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else, and all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, when we step back on this particular chapter in Romans 8, just a few verses, Paul tells us confidently that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. What's Paul saying here? 
He says, it doesn't matter what you walk through. He doesn't say that you don't walk through these times. No, it would be impossible for Paul to say that because Paul found himself in prison. Paul found himself beaten. Paul found himself shipwrecked. Paul even got bit by a snake. And then finally, Paul got beheaded. But yet Paul writes this. And what he's saying is this, in the midst of all these things, the highs, the lows, the depths, the persecutions, the troubles, all these things, the constant has been that you've always been with me. And when I say, God, that you're with me, what I'm saying is this, is that your love has always been present in my life. It has always resourced me, strengthened me, caused me to by your grace, continue on. You're never alone. You're never alone. And the third thing is this. And David writes it here and he says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because the third arm of fear that tries to disable us, if terror is the first one and being alone is the second one, and the third one is our protection and our provision. Our protection and our provision. And that's why David writes this. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We know this, but the staff of the shepherd was used for two purposes, both to guide and to protect, to lead by the crook into the places, the sheep into the places of life, to keep them out of harm's way, to keep them from the cliff's edge, to bring them into the the green pastures, the still waters. But the staff portion of it, the long part of it, was there to beat back any predator that was going to try to harm the sheep. To be able to defend to the best of the shepherd's ability. But in God, we have the good shepherd, don't we, in Jesus Christ. And what he says is this, is that he will always be our protection and our provision. He will always be our protection and our provision. Let's take a second to reflect and respond on this. Do we need peace? Do you need peace in your mind today? Do you need a reminder that even in the hardest moments of your life, God is near? Do you need to understand his protection and his provision? Holy Spirit, this is what we ask of you now is that you would give us exactly what we need. The reminder that you are peace, the comfort of knowing that we are never alone, and the confidence of knowing that you both protect us and provide for us. The last little bit is this. In Psalm 23, David writes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. If the last little bit of passage was difficult, this is probably the hardest. Do we have any? Don't raise your hand. Well, you can if you want. Any anxious eaters out there? (laughs) I'm not. I'm a guy when anxiety hits, I lose weight. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm, food is not my friend. Some people, food is their friend when you get anxious. But here, David just writes something that is completely contradictory to the way we, we think. 
Like, hey, you want to go out for a very nice meal? Let's invite your enemies. <laughs> it's going to be a great time. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But David is writing something that brings out this highest place of, one of the highest places of, of understanding the, the, the magnitude of the care and the love of God. And this is so amazing, if we, if we really see it. It's because he's talking about really understanding from a relational perspective because here's the reality. And over the last few weeks, a little bit of tie in here, we've been talking about this idea of offense and forgiveness and dealing with this. But here David is writing and, and, and one of the things that, that should pop out to us immediately is that we can get good this way, but a lot of times if we're not good this way, it still interferes with our future, doesn't it? If we feel the storms of life this way, and when I say this way, what I'm talking about is interpersonal relationships. Husbands, wives, children, workplace, family members, etc., etc. Not only is it difficult to really hear God this way, because a lot of times the, this relation, these relationships will hinder how we hear God, but it's also very difficult, if not impossible, to move forward in what God's calling us to do. And so David here writes this, because you've got to remember here just a little bit more of the context and background of David's life, is that David has been anointed to be king. This is going to play out in some of the wording we see, we just read. But yet he is not in that position. He has not taken up, taken yet up, taken up, up the throne of Jerusalem, of Israel. Saul is still there. And in that context, if you guys could just place yourself there or do your best to place yourself there, you could imagine the, not just the, the fear and the anxiety of having to run and hide from Saul, but also the anger, the potential bitterness that you might find yourself in. There's a beautiful story in the Old Testament where Saul is chasing David and David gets one of his mighty men, and they go down, and Saul is sleeping. And they walk up on Saul, and they take a piece of his, his clothing, and they spear it to the ground. And, they, and Saul doesn't wake up. None of, his, none of his bodyguards wake up. None of his armies wake up. David goes straight stealth, and then he stands outside the enemy's camp, and he yells at Saul, and he begins to say, Saul, Saul, wake up. And Saul, you know, jumps up and he recognizes David's voice. He goes, David, my son, is that you? Whew. And David said, why do you hate me so much? He says, I don't, I don't, I forgive you. Please come back home. Saul has this mea copa, and it's fake. It's, it's not real. But David's mighty man says, why did you not let me run the spear through his temple? I would not even had to do it twice. Let, let, me give you, let me give you the real version, the RV version, all right? What this dude was saying is like, I hate this dude so much, not just because what he's doing to you, but what he's doing to me. I'm running too, David, and I hate that he hates you, and I would love, love, love to kill this dude so much that you give me a blunt spear, and I'm going to run it through his head one time. It is not going to take me two times. He's out. And David has to look at him and says, no, you're not going to hurt God's anointed. Stop. Woo! Woo, woo, woo. 
Come on, y'all. For real. <laughs> this dude tried to kill you. And yet David doesn't do it. Because he's protecting something here. And it's not just about relationships, but it's the acknowledgement of who the source of his future is. Uh-oh. Okay, so let's listen to this. Here's the truth. Is that we will follow whatever the loudest voice is in our life. If you are fighting with an ex and that's all you see, that is what will guide your life. If you are fighting with a coworker or a spouse or a child, that is what will guide your life. If you are listening to condemnation, that is what will guide your life. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He helps us to regain perspective by becoming the biggest voice. That is why David writes in Psalm 23, you prepare a table in front of my enemies. How do you know that God's voice is the loudest voice, the one that is the source, the direction for your life? Sit down in the, in the presence of your enemies and feast with the Lord. How do you know that your enemies don't have any pull on you? How, many, how, how do you know if the, your enemies don't control your future anymore? Sit down and dine in the presence of your enemies. And he uses this metaphor to bring out this powerful truth that has to be relevant in every one of us, has to be alive. And it's a mark of the compassion and the love of God is that he wants and invites us to allow the Holy Spirit to be the loudest voice in our life. The Holy Spirit has to be the loudest voice in our life. Because when the Holy Spirit is the loudest voice in our life, we regain the perspective of the Father. One thing else I believe this passage says is this, as it reminds us who controls our future. David here writes, you anoint my head with oil. And there's two important takeaways regarding the how God cares and loves for us in this little phrase. Justin, you come on up, man. It was custom in the tradition of Israel, they held a high value on hospitality. A high value on hospitality. And one of the things that would happen when somebody would come into your house is that you would anoint their head with oil. And it was a marker of being cleansed, of being welcomed, of being safe, of having full access. And so as David writes this and he says, God, as you set up a table in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. What he's saying is this. Is that in the natural, I'm not in my house. In the natural, I'm not comfortable. But in the truth of who you are, in the truth that matters, in the truth that is the loudest voice in my life, God, I am in your house. I am in your house. And you are the one who anoints my head with oil. 
So there's something amazing if we stop and we really think about this truth and we really understand this. Is it possible to be in the middle of a storm but yet to be in the shelter of the Almighty? And the answer is yes. It's yes. And how do we know that? And it comes through the presence of God as he pours over us. As he pours over us. As we feel the the wave of his love and his compassion pour over us. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit excited, excitable about this, but when I, when, I, when I was reading this and preparing for this, immediately there's an old um, Under Armour commercial. All right? <laughs> Some of y'all know where I'm going with this. And it's all these football players walking out, and they're like, we will protect this house. You know, like they're playing in their stadium, you know. Oh, come on. You guys not remember that commercial? Anybody? And they're like, we will protect this house. It's cheesy, it's goofy, it's, it's macho, it's like all the things that are ridiculous about all that, right? But in the most real way, I can almost see God looking at us and saying, I will protect my house. I'm going to protect my house. You don't got to worry about what's raging around you. I'm going to protect my house. I'll anoint you and I'll prove it. I'll pour my love and my goodness and my, and my peace And my future all over you. I'm going to protect my house. I'm going to protect my house. And this is what David writes. And he says, it's amazing, God, that that in the presence of my enemy, where I look, I can't go north, I can't go south, I can't go east, I can't go west without hitting a problem, without running into my enemies or danger. But yet, you cause me to feast in your presence. And the way that you prove it would be just like in the natural, if I were to go into a house and the person who owned the house were to take oil and pour it over my head and say, you are safe. You are pure, you are good, you are covered here, you do the same thing. But the second thing that that we see here that that is significant and it ties into your future, and it's the understanding of who your source is, is because this picture of anointing the head with oil is also a picture of of the, the calling and the authority that David had as king. And if you could just understand this revelation, if we could just get a hold of this in David's heart as he reminds himself, as the Holy Spirit reminds himself, but yet he looks at the natural on the outside and he says, look, this guy is holding me up. This guy is in my way. This guy. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, David, you don't have to worry about that because who anoints your head with oil to the calling of kingship? Is it Saul or is it me? Who found you? Jesse's son, when they weren't around, who called the prophet out and told them to look in your dad's eyes and say, are there any more sons? David, I will always find you. I will always know you. And you don't hold your future in your hands. I do. And one of the greatest ways we see the love and the care of God is when we understand him as that source and we rest. Oh. He bookends this little section here with this statement, my cup overflows. Because this was also a traditional thing in in Jewish custom is 
This is how you knew when the party was over. Is when the cups started being stopped being filled up. They didn't have a stop time. They didn't say the party ends at eight. <laughs> party ends at midnight. They said the party ends when the wine's out. What's up? <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, wait a minute. What are you talking about? That's how it went. And David is saying, my cup is overflowing. It's never running out. Now, come on, stop again. Think, really think. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. David is experiencing the full measure of the joy of the Lord in the presence of one of the most difficult times of his life. He's saying, God, not only are you the one who secures me and is the loudest voice in my life, not only are you the one who covers my present and my future, but you are the one who, who fills me with great joy. And if we could listen to the Holy Spirit, receive from the Holy Spirit that joy, I promise you it doesn't matter what you are currently walking through, that your tomorrow is going to look much better, even if your situational truth does not change, if you begin to drink from the well of the Holy Spirit and experience His joy. I promise you. I promise you. Let's reflect on this for just a second. Let me ask you these questions. What is the biggest voice that you hear right now? Is it a voice of fear? Is it a voice of somebody else? Is it coming from an opinion? Or is it the voice of the Lord? What am I trusting to control my future? What am I trusting to control my future? Is it my own strength? Am I hoping to, to get that promotion? Am I basing my worth off of somebody's opinion again? Am I putting my stock in my possessions? Holy Spirit, am I allowing you to control my future? And this is our prayer. Holy Spirit, help me to drink from the well of your goodness. To hear the voice of the Father. To know that no matter what I walk through, it is you who sustains me and performs what you have promised to me. The last part of this is the blessing. It says, surely the goodness and the love, surely your goodness and love follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely the goodness, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is what God promises. This is how much he loves you. This is the depth of his care for you. This is the promise that he has given you. No matter what storms rage, no matter what things come against you, no matter what is said about you. This is the promise of his peace. This is the promise of the truth of his care for you 
that His goodness and His love will follow you. Not one day, not in the day that you need it most, but every day of your life. And that you are going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? What I want us to do and how I want us to take this opportunity. I know, listen, we're we're, we're a little past our time, but it's okay. I want the ushers to come prepare the tables. I got this one. And what we're going to do is we're going to take from the table and we're going to receive from the Lord And as you come to the table today, I want you just to reflect on that, the depth of the care and the love of God as we've seen it through Jesus Christ, our King. And as you come to the table, whatever it is that you need in your life, come with the understanding, come with the attitude that through Jesus Christ you have received that. Come and receive it through the sacrifice of what Jesus has done at the cross when he allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed. Come and receive it and be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Some of you this morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today this is the best decision, the greatest decision. Or maybe you feel like you're far from him. Even though you feel like you're far, he's not. He's close. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe and I trust in you. I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. This morning we have a beautiful opportunity to come and to drink from that deep well of the love of God. And as we come, let's receive, let's receive, let's receive. Would you come to the table now? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, you're so good. You're so good. Father, I just declare your great grace. Lord, the goodness and the mercy of the Father to pursue every person here today. Lord, let it just overwhelm them. Let it break down the lies of the enemy. Let it destroy and shatter fear. Let it bring the confidence of the calling that you have placed in them, Lord, the confidence of your peace and your joy no matter what comes against us, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just drink from that deep well of who you are, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Before you go, if you need prayer this morning and and you need somebody to join with you, if you're dealing with something, maybe... You feel like one of those things that were mentioned today has got you and you just need somebody to join you in prayer. Uh, We'll be up here. There'll be some prayer folks up here that would love to pray with you. Don't leave if you need somebody to join with you in prayer. But if not, we love you so much. Have a great week. And don't forget, if you want to help in any way, make sure and sign up at the back. And uh, we'll see you guys this week at small groups. Uh, Youth, don't forget your United Night. And we'll see you next Sunday. We love you. Have a great week.